0: It's Thursday, January 23rd, and 214 days separate us from the Republican National Convention in Charlotte. From WFAE, Charlotte's NPR News Source, I'm Lisa Worf. And I'm Steve Harrison. And this is the Inside Politics Podcast, the RNC in Charlotte. On this, our, shall we say, inaugural episode of this podcast, we wanna take you on the road to hosting the 2020 Republican National Convention. It's longer than you might think. Not 2012, when Charlotte hosted the Democratic National Convention, but back more than 20 years ago to not one, but two failed bids.
1: Charlotte was a very different city then, a much smaller one. The city's population was 510,000 people in 1988, we now have 872,000 people. There was no 700-room Weston Hotel next to the convention center. There was no Lynx Blue Line. There was no Spectrum Center uptown. And the Charlotte Coliseum, the first home of the Hornets, now demolished, would have been the host venue.
0: Charlotte submitted bids for both the 2000 RNC and the 2000 DNC. So, Steve, did we have any chance at all?
1: Um, No. The DNC said it wasn't interested, and as for the GOP, the Republican National Committee did pay us a visit. Former Charlotte Mayor Pat McCrory was the tour guide and cheerleader. It was almost laughable, uh, the bid we put in and the seriousness we tried to put on the proposal when, in fact, we weren't even the ball game because we did not have a viable convention center or hotel or, frankly, anything to do in downtown Charlotte. So the visit didn't go very well. I'm not saying it didn't go well, but let's sum it up with this image. McCrory meeting a bunch of Republican officials and taking them around Charlotte Motor Speedway in a limo. (laughs) No way. (laughs) Yes. So it may have been laughable, but McCrory does see the bid as a natural follow-up to the city hosting the Final Four in 1994.
0: Wait. now, I wasn't here then, but people are still talking about what a letdown that weekend was, and they're not talking about the basketball. Well, maybe if they're a Duke fan.
1: Yeah, Arkansas did beat Duke, but the thing that really stood out with Charlotte's efforts to give fans something to do. There was the infamous Street of Champions.
0: That seems like a good symbol of the state of Charlotte's nightlife 25 years ago.
1: Yeah, it kind of does. Back in the 1990s, there was hardly anything to do uptown. Here's McCrory again. And in 1994, he was an at-large city council member. We created bars and nighttime activity that disappeared a week later, which was kind of humorous now that we look back at it. And so the city had created this Potemkin village of bars and restaurants uptown to create a nightlife on South Tryon Street where there was none. It was actually a little tent city. There was a temporary Fat Tuesdays Daiquiri Bar.
0: And people outside of Charlotte took notice.
1: They did. The New York Times called the Street of Champions, quote, an instant downtown as permanent as a movie set.
0: So back to the politics. Did Charlotte leaders really think back in the late 90s they had a shot at hosting the RNC?
1: Well, they thought it was a long shot, and it really was. I talked to Jim Morrill, who's covered politics at the Charlotte Observer for 30 years. Here's what he had to say. Nobody put a whole lot of expectations in really getting it. I mean, Charlotte,
0: you know, didn't have the hotel rooms then that it it has now, or had in 2012, for that
1: matter. Um, so I think a lot of people thought it was kind of a pipe dream, but kind of a cool one. Nobody had ever tried it before here in Charlotte.
0: So we didn't get the 2000 RNC, but how close did we get?
1: Not very. Um, For the 2000 convention, the RNC did name Charlotte as one of eight cities under consideration. So there was that. But its five finalists were Indianapolis, New Orleans, New York, San Antonio, and Philadelphia. It picked Philadelphia where the GOP nominated George W. Bush. Bush's slogan during that campaign was that he was a compassionate conservative. Big, big government is not the answer But the alternative bureaucracy is not indifference. It is to put conservative values and conservative ideas into the thick of the fight for justice and opportunity. This is what I mean by compassionate conservatism. And on this ground, we will lead our nation. And here's a fun fact. We didn't land the RNC that year, but the city did get another pretty big convention And it has a much more memorable line.
0: Okay, let's hear it. So, as uh, we set out this year to defeat the divisive forces that would take freedom away, I want to say those fighting words for everyone within the sound of my voice to hear and to heed, and especially for you, Mr. Gore. From my cold, dead hands. And that, of course, is Charlton Heston.
1: The actor certainly channeled a bit of Moses here in his role as president of the NRA. And when he said that memorable line, he paused to pick up a replica of a rifle. This was in May 2000 at the Charlotte Convention Center, which was four years old at the time.
0: So we whiffed on getting political conventions in 2000, but in less than a decade... Charlotte was ready to try again, and a change in the tactics of the Democrats and Republicans would help the city get the bid.
1: Yeah, the major political parties used to hold their conventions in big cities that could show visitors a good time. Miami Beach, Chicago, Los Angeles, New Orleans. But starting in 2008, the Democrats and Republicans changed their tactics. They started looking at mid-sized cities and swing states. The Democrats decided to put their 2008 convention in Denver because the party then thought the road to victory went through the West since the South was considered lost to the Democrats. The Republicans convened in St. Paul, the capital of Minnesota, a formerly deep blue state that had been shifting purple. Now, that year, Barack Obama ended up winning North Carolina by less than half a percentage point, making the state an attractive place for a convention. So that
0: definitely boosted Charlotte's chances. And then after Charlotte's 2000 rejection, city leaders finally thought the city was ready then?
1: Well, not really. I think it's important to go back to 2008 and remember the Great Recession and just how hard the financial crisis hit Charlotte. The Dow tumbled more than 500 points after two pillars of the street tumbled over the weekend. Yesterday, the House of Representatives voted on a financial rescue plan that had been negotiated by congressional leaders of both parties in my administration. Unfortunately, the measure was defeated by a narrow margin.
0: Bakovia was hit by a $5 billion run on deposits last month after the failure of its West Coast rival, Washington Mutual. Citigroup initially agreed to buy the North Carolina-based bank for more than $2 billion. So I think we forget what that was like. Wachovia was absorbed by Wells Fargo. Bank of America would soon buy Merrill Lynch and would be hobbled for years. This was a really dark time in Charlotte. Unemployment was more than 12% in the metro area.
1: It really was a dark time. I remember talking to a wealth manager at the old Wachovia who had been completely traumatized by the crash in the fall of 2008. A few months later, she thought it was time for her clients to go back into the market. But the very idea of investing again made her physically ill. She actually threw up on the sidewalk of College Street before jumping back in the market.
0: Oh, wow. And that was the year the city decided to bid on the 2012 DNC.
1: And the idea of bidding on the DNC came from the former mayor pro tem, the late Susan Burgess. She was the one pushing it. Anthony Fox, who was elected mayor that year, didn't want to bid at first. I initially had no intention of putting an application in for the DNC. I thought it was a
0: bridge too far, quite frankly. I knew we would have challenges with hotel rooms.
1: I thought it would be great for the city, but it just seemed like something we couldn't do. And frankly, back in those times, we were also in the midst of digging out a recession. And that's also another factor that initially played into my thinking. But Burgess brought a former DNC chair to Charlotte in 2009. He came with an eight-page memo detailing what it would take to host a convention. And the more he laid out his detail, the more doable it seemed to be. And uh, that conversation was elemental in, in changing my thinking. So we decided to apply, not knowing how we would fare, but we figured, why not? And the lack of convention infrastructure that had made the city's 2,000 bid seem laughable was, for the most part, fixed. The Spectrum Center, then known as Time Warner Cable Arena, had been open for six years. The light rail line had been open for five. And the city had more hotels. So how the Democrats think it went? So pretty good. Um, but there were a few complaints. Charlotte just didn't have that many fancy hotels at the time. The California delegation was put up at the old Blake Hotel, which wasn't up to its standards And I think California was pretty much right. And other people had to stay all the way up at Concord Mills, 15 miles from uptown. Former Democratic presidential candidate Howard Dean, who was a superdelegate in 2012, says Charlotte was a great host, though a little overwhelmed. I had a great time. Um, I thought the Democratic convention was a little big for Charlotte. You know, but we have about twice as many people who come to ours as, you know, we just have a lot more delegates to ours. So I think Charlotte will be very well-sized for the Republicans. But the general mood of the 2012 convention was pretty upbeat. Delegates and the media liked that they could leave the arena, walk a few blocks and grab a drink or dinner. And 18 years ago, after the city created the Street of Champions, Charlotte had a real downtown. Now, there was some drama about President Obama's acceptance speech, which was supposed to be at Bank of America Stadium. But they moved it inside to the arena, arguably because of the threat of rain. But the last night of the convention ended up having perfect weather.
0: So for the convention itself, what do people remember?
1: Well, it was mostly unmemorable. President Obama had delivered such a long list of great speeches during his 2008 campaign that his acceptance speech in Charlotte was workmanlike by comparison. The convention's highlight was arguably Bill Clinton's 48-minute speech on the second night that laid out why Obama should be reelected. Politico said the 42nd president did so in language that quote, was crisper and more compelling than the case Obama so far has made for himself. In Tampa a few days ago, we heard a lot of talk. <laughs> All about how the president and the Democrats don't really believe in free enterprise and individual initiative how we want everybody to be dependent on the government, how bad we are for the economy. We Democrats, we think the country works better with a strong middle class, with real opportunities for poor folks to work their way into it, with a relentless focus on the future, with business and government actually working together to promote growth and broadly shared prosperity. You see, we believe that we're all in this together ...is a far better philosophy than you're on your own.
0: So how did we get from Bill Clinton in 2008 to Donald Trump and the Republican Party in 2020? We'll find out right after this quick break on the Inside Politics podcast, The RNC in Charlotte.
1: Hey, everyone. This podcast isn't a speech at a podium. It's a conversation with you. We want to hear from you. What questions do you have about the Republican National Convention and how it will impact Charlotte? Submit your questions now on WFAE.org slash InsidePolitics. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to the Inside Politics podcast on Apple Podcasts, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. With that said, let's get back to the episode.
0: Let's fast forward to 2020. Charlotte is probably going to be the answer to a trivia question. Which is? The first city to host a political convention where an impeached president wins the nomination.
1: Right, because President Bill Clinton was in his second term when he was impeached, and Andrew Johnson did not win the nomination at the 1868 convention in New York. And that's assuming the Senate acquits the president and Trump runs again, which he has said he's going to do.
0: Okay, so back to this convention and before President Trump was impeached. In the beginning of 2018, Charlotte is thinking about bidding for the 2020 RNC. And this has become a really democratic city.
1: It has. And of course, plenty of democratic cities have hosted RNCs. But in the age of Trump, it seemed like this would rub a lot of people the wrong way.
0: So whose idea was it to
1: host the RNC? The RNC sent the mayor a letter in December 2017 And by the way, that letter was mistakenly sent to Jennifer Roberts, who had lost to Vi a month earlier. So Lyles and the Charlotte Regional Visitors Authority huddled to discuss whether the city should bid.
0: And city council was pretty much on board with this, right? Which is important because the RNC contract needs their approval.
1: Yeah, they were on board. Um, In fact, I think the city really reverted back. At that time, to 1998, when it was taking the National Republicans around the speedway in a limo. Charlotte always wants validation. It wants to be big time.
0: (laughs) So how would it go down?
1: Well, early in the year, Mayor Lyles talked to council members, mostly individually. She asked, do you want to bet on the RNC? There are 11 people on city council, nine are Democrats, and all but one said, "Okay, let's go for it. And that one holdout was Luana Mayfield. And I remember asking a lot of them about the bid, and I didn't hear any reservations. It was mostly, this would be great for the hospitality industry. Why wouldn't we bid on it? And the line that I remember most was from city council member Ajmira. A few months earlier, she'd said that Trump supporters had no place on council. And then when I asked her about the RNC bid, she said she was, quote, looking forward to showing off the city's southern hospitality.
0: Charlotte announced its bid in February, and it started becoming clear that this was going to be an unusual RNC. For one, unlike for the 2000 convention, no other cities seemed interested in bidding on it.
1: Yeah, this was a really fascinating part of the process. No other cities were saying anything about the RNC. On the Democratic side, there were a handful of cities saying they wanted it. Houston, Miami Beach, Denver, and Milwaukee. But other than Charlotte, it was crickets for the RNC. But people inside the city were telling me that, no, there was a lot of competition for this. They said that the other cities were just wary of making their bid public because of Trump, but that they were bidding, which seemed really strange. Hmm. And Republicans started getting really defensive about Charlotte being the only city apparently bidding. Here's what Republican Councilmember Tarek Bakari said before voting to host. So the fact of the matter is, when this started, after all the serious contenders were weeded down into this list, seven cities wanted this. They absolutely wanted it. And it was narrowed down to five and then four and then two. And now that we're at the altar, we can say, well, it's just us or Vegas. But that is absolutely a false narrative if you believe that no other cities wanted this.
0: Okay, so seven cities absolutely wanted this. But Charlotte ended up bidding against itself, right?
1: Right. So there were seven cities that at one time were curious about hosting. The RNC held an Interested Cities Day about the convention in D.C. in late January 2018. And at that time, the RNC hosted um, people from Charlotte, Las Vegas, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Nashville, and Phoenix. And Dallas said they participated by conference call. So that's the seven. But I went back and called those cities, and none of them followed through with a bid. And when I talked to them, they all gave various reasons why they didn't bid. They said they were too busy, didn't have enough space, that kind of thing.
0: I remember at the end, it was Charlotte against Las Vegas. But that wasn't really a bid, right?
1: It wasn't. Um, The city of Las Vegas and the tourism organization there never put in a bid. They looked at it but decided to pass. So what happened was that the chair of the state Republican Party said, we'll put together a bid. The GOP... In Nevada didn't have a venue or any real plan, so that was Charlotte's competition. And so when the city council prepared a vote on whether to approve the convention contract, some council members said the city was a fool. Here's Justin Harlow.
0: I don't know where the quote comes from, but I know somebody said, uh, if there's a fool in every room and if you look around and can't find him, then maybe it's you. Uh, it's important to ask why no other local government in America is bidding on this convention, or no single city government has endorsed it. Not even in the states where this president uh, carried the electorate, and it still has a lot of supporters. For me, that's odd at best, um,
1: and I think certainly telling.
0: That meeting was in July of 2018, and it was just six months after city leaders gleefully announced Charlotte's bid.
1: Yeah, it was a really crazy meeting. Um, the city council was just one vote away from rejecting the convention. And here's some snippets from that meeting. You see, I don't really see him as a Republican. I see him as a human avatar of white supremacy. We don't make exceptions. You don't abandon the things on which our democracy is based because you don't like a man. And that man, like it or not, was duly elected and holds the office of president.
0: Honestly, I'm, I'm supporting this because back in March, 10 of the 11 of us sitting here told the mayor to move forward with this bid. And Mayor Lyles has been in an odd position over this. She's pushed the city's bid, but last summer she said she wasn't going to speak at the convention.
1: Yeah, and host mayors almost always speak. I don't have anything definitive, but you can go online to C-SPAN archives and find host mayors giving welcoming speeches at least back to 1976. And these are mayors of one party welcoming the delegates of another party. So it looks like Charlotte is going to break that tradition.
0: So I think that sums up where we are. 20 years ago, Mayor McCrory was driving the GOP around the speedway in his
1: limo. And today the mayor's saying, this is going to be a great event for our city, but I don't want to be associated with it.
0: That was Steve Harrison helping us navigate the road to the RNC as political reporter for WFAE. Thanks, Steve.
1: Sure thing, Lisa.
0: Of course, this is only the start of our journey. There are a lot of miles left to go and questions to be answered between now and August. Listen to the Inside Politics podcast, the RNC in Charlotte, every other Thursday for the latest on the RNC and the 2020 election through the lens of Charlotte. Subscribe to the Inside Politics podcast for free and listen to the next episode as soon as it becomes available on Apple Podcasts, NPR One or head to WFAE.org slash InsidePolitics. I'm Lisa Worf, and catch you real soon on the next episode of the Inside Politics podcast, the RNC in Charlotte.